BC Church family. Uh, give me a sec here. I'm getting acclimated to this new technology here. Uh, a little hesitation there. Anyway, welcome to all of you. It is a pleasure to be with you all here tonight for our Wednesday night live Bible study. Uh, thank you all for all of you who normally join. We appreciate you being so faithful. Uh, if you are a first time guest with us, we especially uh, thank you and appreciate you for stopping the scroll and spend a little time with us. Um, just want to get a couple of housekeeping items out of the way before I jump into the lesson tonight. First one to bring your attention uh, to a new card that we have on our website, newarkupc.info. We added a card under the contact um, card called join the prayer team. Uh, some of you have expressed the need to um, receive the email communications about prayer needs and things like that. If you want to receive those communications and be in the loop um, about what's going on with people and, and to partner with us in prayer uh, for, for those needs, go in and you can um, join with that card and you'll receive that email communication. Also, Easter is coming up and we plan to have communion. Uh, this is the second time we would have uh, had, had to do that during this COVID time. Um, done that we'll have to do uh, communion virtually. And so, hey, grab what you have, you know, bread out of your pantry, some juice out of the fridge or whatever. Um, be prepared to do that, to join in with us on communion. So, you know, whether it's what you have in your house already or make a quick store run and, and get what you need, but be prepared to celebrate communion with us on Easter Sunday, April 4th. Um, many of you have received the, the changes to the small group structure. Uh, that's on our communications card at newarkubc.info. You got an email. We, you know, we've sent it out to you several different ways. Um, if you have not one way or the other received it, be sure to reach out to us and let us know and we'll get you that information so that you'll be all set for the next um, quarter that starts in April. Um, you can also sign up to receive um, text message communication, email communication if you want to stay in the loop about what's going on here. Uh, there's a I'm new card uh, if you haven't provided that before. And if you have not been receiving texts or emails from us and you think you should, uh, maybe we don't have updated information for you. So go to the update um, card that's also at newarkubc.info. Well, that was a mouthful. But this week, our series started yesterday. And we're looking at children in the Bible. And in particular, what lessons we can learn from their lives. And our Bible study tonight, I'm going to present to you um, the special place that children have in God's heart, God's heart and in his kingdom. But before I jump into the lesson, why don't you take a minute and pray with me? Jesus, Lord, we thank you for this evening, Lord. We thank you uh, for the privilege, Lord, of being able to join together, uh, even in this way, Lord, during this difficult time. God, we ask that you would be in our midst tonight, that you would um, have us to listen afresh, Lord Jesus, to perhaps some scriptures that we have read time and time again, Lord Jesus, and we figure we know all about that. God, uh, help us to listen with an attentive ear tonight to your word. We know that children are near and dear to you, Lord, and um, that they are precious in your eyes. And God, we ask that you would help us, oh God, um, to glean from your word how precious they really, really are, God. Make us equally as um, endearing to them as they are to you, Lord. Be in our midst tonight. Open our hearts and our minds to your word. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, I'm going to start literally at the beginning. Um, in Genesis 1, we're all familiar, most people are anyway, with the creation story. 
And in Genesis 1, verse 28, this is after God has created everything and he's created human beings. And he says, then God blessed them and said, this is the human beings he just created. He blessed them and said, be fruitful and multiply. Fill the earth and govern it. Reign over the fish in the sea, the birds in the sky, and all the animals that scurry along the ground. Now you have to go back and read if you haven't read in a while. But the instructions that God gave to the human beings uh, were different. So in this creation story, when we see God creating all living things, everything has a place and a purpose. And some of those purposes we're still discovering till this day. But humans are unique in that we were created in God's image. And we have the responsibility, as we just read, of governing the earth and reigning over all the animal life. Whereas it is necessary for all of God's creation to multiply, it seems that humans, as stewards of all these things, play a critical role in the ongoing success of all life. To govern and to reign means to rule, to oversee, to manage, control. I'm just giving you some of the synonyms, if you will, for those two words. No other creation was given such responsibility. Those responsibilities were given to human beings. So you may be saying, Sister, what in the world does it have to do with children? Well, let, well, let's see. Let's go over to Psalms 127, verses three and five. I'm reading, I'm going to read it to you from two different translations because I think they give a significantly different understanding of this scripture. Uh, Psalms 127, verse three and five from the NLT says, Children are a gift from the Lord. They are a reward from him. Now, I thought that word reward in that second part of that verse was pretty interesting. Um, and I'm thinking about reward. Reward kind of carries a different connotation with it um, than it kind of makes sense for that scripture. But it goes on to say children born to a young man are like arrows in a warrior's hand. How joyful is the man's I'm sorry, is the man whose quiver is full of them. He will not be put to shame when he confronts his accusers at the city gates. Hmm. We'll talk about that a little bit, a little bit later. But the message version of Psalm 127, verse three and five says, don't you see that children are God's best gift? The fruit of the womb, his generous legacy. So instead of the word reward, the message translates that word legacy. And then it's pretty much the same as the latter part of, of, um, of four and five are pretty much the same. So legacy, uh, as used in the message, carries a very different meaning than the word reward as used in the NLT. Reward kind of carries the connotation of something that's earned or deserved, which doesn't necessarily fit when it comes to the human ability to procreate, right? Anybody can have a baby. It's not even so much as whether you deserve it or not. Uh, at least that's the way I, when I think of the word reward, I think about something that you get for something, something you've done, that, again, that you earn somehow. But legacy, whew, legacy is very fitting. Two definitions of legacy provided by Merriam-Webster Dictionary are, one, a gift by will 
especially of money or other personal property. Second definition says something transmitted by or received from an ancestor or predecessor or from the past. That one got me excited. Something transmitted or received from an ancestor or predecessor or from the past. Through children, God passes down his likeness. His image is multiplied. Again, I refer you back to the uniqueness of humanity, right? We were the only created beings who bear God's image. In verses four and five of Psalm 127, again, I'm going to the message verse. I'm reading you those second verses. God likens children to arrows in a warrior's quiver. I don't know if you know what a quiver is. If you've ever seen some Indian footage, you see the little satchel sort of on their back. They call that a quiver, and it's full of the arrows, and the Indian pulls from that to you know, shoot his arrow, um, just to give you a visual, right? That that children are like are likened to arrows in a warrior's quiver. Weapons used to defeat enemies. It says, like a warrior's fistful of arrows, are children of a vigorous youth. Oh, how blessed are you, parents, with your quivers full of children! Your enemies don't stand a chance against you you'll sweep them right off your doorstep. So these children uh, are a blessing, right? They, they somehow help defeat enemies. And, and so it's a blessing if your quiver is full of them. I wish I knew exactly um, what all that means. Um, but as I rummage through the scriptures and I see what all God has to say about how we're to treat children, um, I think we can at least get a partial idea. And I read that and went, hmm, I read that afresh. Again, that's one of those familiar scriptures that we read about scripture. And when I thought about uh, that latter part of that verse that says, uh, your enemies don't stand a chance. That, that, that means that these children somehow um, are a weapon, if you will, to use that arrow analogy against our enemies. But let, let's see if we can get a better idea uh, of that. So I'm going to Deuteronomy 6. And Moses uh, is giving God's commands to the people. And in Deuteronomy, starting with verse six, with, with uh, chapter six, verse four, Moses says to the children of Israel, listen, O Israel, the Lord is your God. Um, I'm sorry. Listen, O Israel, the Lord is our God, the Lord alone. And you must love the Lord your God with all of your heart, all of your soul and all of your strength. And you must commit yourselves wholeheartedly to these commands that I'm giving you today. Repeat them again and again to your children. Talk about them when you are at home and when you're on the road, when you're going to bed and when you rise up. In other words, Moses is saying brainwash them. <laughs> Now, I know that as modern folk, we don't like that kind of terminology. Uh, but what else was that practice supposed to do? Right. The, the, the whole idea of repeating over and over again. You know, that's what happens when we do that. It literally, uh, you know, just soaks into them. And if you think about little children, especially their minds are very much like sponges. In fact, we, we use that analogy sometimes. When we talk about how easily they soak things in. And so um, it's imperative that 
that we take advantage of those years, that we instill in them uh, God's commands. And so Moses is giving the, the children of Israel that instruction. He'll repeat it to them pretty much all the time. You look at those time frames when you're walking, when you all the time, right? Put into them God's words and his commands. Now, many of us have heard the term formative years. Uh, and those formative years in early childhood are, are the, the years between, you know, what do we say, zero and eight, uh, as I was reading up on this, and of a child's life. And it's that period that uh, there's rapid cognitive, that's that intellectual ability and in, in social, emotional, and physical development of a child. Uh, this development occurs based on the child's response and interaction uh, between genetics and environment and experience. So those formative years, literally that word formative tells you a lot about that time period. It is literally the time when, when children are formed, right? And, and pretty much by the time they get to that time period, whoever they are, whatever, is pretty much set, right? Those, those were the formative years. Uh, I remember when my oldest daughter, uh, when I was looking at Montessori schools for her, she was about three years old. And I met with the headmaster and um, that was sometime around October of that year. Now she's 25 now, so that's been quite some time ago. Um, but I remember telling the headmaster uh, that I was planning on starting her in this school sometime in January. So, you know, maybe three or four months later. And the woman was really concerned about that. And I'm like, what is the difference? I mean, you know, three or four months, like what is the big deal? But she was an educator and she understood um, how much can be learned in that small amount of time. And she was urging me to like, like, don't waste time. Like, I don't want her to be behind the other kids. And I want to, you know, I want, I want to, in other words, I want to take advantage of these, this formative time uh, because children are ripe for learning um, bet between those age groups. So somehow that came to mind when I read about this formative years, but children have incredible capabilities. And uh, some of you who have children, you already know, you're, you're, you're shaking here right now going, mm-hmm, they're amazing. And we, we often limit their capabilities by our mindset toward them, you know, what, what we do with them. Children are amazing. So in general, um, a child is a blank slate. You know, what we write on them can make them or break them. And when I mean that, I'm talking about how we form them, what we put into them, what we teach them, what we expose them to. All those, when I say write on them, that's kind of what I'm, what I'm talking about. Um, and so, um, yeah, what we what we what we write on them can make or break them, especially when it comes to the kingdom of God. Often we're so busy coddling our children and filling their minds with fairy tales and occupying them with all sorts of stuff that we neglect to build them. And when I say build, I mean strategically and intentionally. We we neglect to build them for God. Again, I'm, I'm harkening back to um, God's plan for. Uh, multiplying in his image. I'm harkening back to Moses' instruction, right? To, to, to basically repeat these commands day in and day out, right? There's an intentionality that, that when it comes to that, because there's a purpose for them. So we we can often, again, we, we get into all kinds of things, all the activities and extracurricular stuff, but we, we can really fall short on building these children for God's purpose, that they can be all they can be in his kingdom. So through children, God's legacy continues. Again, going back to that scripture, they are his legacy. And obviously his legacy should carry forth his name and his ways, right? That image that God puts in, in all of um, humanity. 
And so that's, again, the, the reason we need to instill the knowledge of God and then keep it in them. Right. We know that when we are born, uh, we're not um, we don't remain that. I'll say pure state for too, for too long. Their, their force is working against that. And we need to instill in our children the things of God that they can um, they can be all they can be because they are very much a part of God's arsenal against the evil one. Again, going back to that verse. Um, before a child even sprouts in the womb, right? God knows them and has plans for them. Uh, the words God spoke to Jeremiah give us a glimpse into the depths of God's involvement in our lives, even before we were born. Now, when I think about that, that absolutely blows my mind, right? Uh, before we were, that they were even on this human radar, God is actively working. In Jeremiah 1 and 5, God says, before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Think about that for a minute. Before Jeremiah was even formed in the womb. God said, I knew you. And before you were born, I consecrated you. I appointed you a prophet to the nations. So God had a plan for Jeremiah before he was in his mother's womb. That is absolutely mind blowing to me. Now, you may say, Sister Lil, hey, that just has to do with Jeremiah, right? You can't say that applies to all of us. Because I, I mean to tell you tonight that God has a plan uh, for every. For, for every uh, child, right? I'm gonna keep it on the on the narrow to the child focus here. If you think that was just for Jeremiah, then let's go to Psalms 139, uh, verses 13 through 18. And the psalmist writes, "You made all the delicate inner parts of my body and knit me together in my mother's womb. Thank you for making me so wonderfully complex. Your workmanship is marvelous. How well I know it." You watched me as I was being formed in utter seclusion, as I was woven together in the dark of the womb. You saw me before I was born. Every day of my life was recorded in your book. Every moment was laid out before a single day had passed. I'm telling you, God has plans for each and every child that's born into this world. He says, every moment was laid out before a single day was passed. How precious are your thoughts about me, O oh God? They cannot be numbered. I can't even count them. They outnumber the grains of sand. And when I wake up, you are still with me. Whew, that is amazing to me. Okay, so I, if you thought that was just Jeremiah, no, that's all creation. God has a plan and a purpose for each and every one of us. All right, and so... When we think about how we need to care for children with that in mind, how we need to treat children with that in mind. Okay, I want to want to focus in on that tonight. So let's fast forward. We're going to fast forward to the New Testament and we're going to pick up in Mark 9, 33 and 37. And, and this kind of comes at an odd place if you really think about it, because this story is is when the disciples are having this whole you know conversation about who, you know, who is the greatest in the kingdom of God. And verse 33 says, and they came to Capernaum. And when he was in the house, he asked them. So they were having this discussion before even Jesus came up. Okay, They were talking on their way and they kind of got quiet when Jesus popped up. So when they get in the house, uh, Jesus asked them, what were you discussing on the way? You ever had that conversation? If you don't want somebody to know what you were discussing and you get a little quiet. Well, they did the same thing. But they kept silent. For on the way, 
they had argued with one another about who was the greatest. And he sat down and called the 12 and he said to them, if anyone would be first, he must be last of all and servant of all. And then he brings in this conversation about children. Verse 36 says, and he took a child and put him in the midst of them. And taking him in his arms, he said to them, whoever receives one such child in my name receives me. And whoever receives me receives not me, but him who sent me. I got that whole legacy language coming in my mind right now, right? So, so there's, a, there's a legacy attached to this. So if you receive this child or such a child, you don't, you not only receive Jesus, but he says you send the, you receive the one who sent me. When you receive a child, you receive God. Now I was studying this early. I had to stop on that and go, because that just that just kind of blew my mind. What does that mean? Children come forth from God. And how we treat them directly correlates to our attitude towards God. If you receive one such child, then you receive the one who sent me. You receive God. Whether we reject them or whether we receive them, our attitude towards children directly correlates to our attitude towards God. Now, I'm going to give you another example that's a little bit off topic to, to make that point. Because the, the principle is also applied in Matthew 5. Uh, 25, 35 through 40, when when Jesus is talking about um, how we treat those who are poor and hungry and destitute and that manner of thing. When he says uh, in verse 35, he says, for I was hungry and you fed me. I was thirsty and you gave me a drink. I was a stranger and you invited me into your home. I was naked and you gave me clothing. I was sick and you cared for me. I was in prison and you visited me. Then these righteous ones will reply, Lord, when did we ever see you hungry or feed you or thirsty and give you something to drink or a stranger and show you hospitality or naked and give you clothing? When did we ever see you sick or in prison and visit you? So they're, they're baffled like, huh? How did, how did that happen? And verse 40 says, and the king will say, I tell you the truth. When did when you did it to one of the least of these, my brothers and sisters, you were doing it to me. So so here's a, another example of that when you receive a, a child, such one of these, then you receive the father. When you treat people this way, then you're treating me this way. So so God puts that connection to how, how, how we treat people. And in particular, again, I want to stay narrow here to to children. Um correlates to how we receive or reject him. I thought that was pretty, pretty profound. Uh, so Matthew 18 and six says, but whoever causes one of these little ones who believe on me to sin, it will be better for him to have a great millstone fastened around his neck and be drowned in the depth of the sea. Now that was, that was pretty strong. Okay. So so God is saying, I got a real problem if you cause one of these little children, you, if you cause my legacy, if you will, some problems. You, you're, you're, you're fooling with God's plan, with his legacy. When, when we, when we um, cause a child to sin, right? We think about children. I don't know about you, but I think about 
innocence. I think about purity. I think about, you know, that very vulnerable stage. And God said, when you, when you cause a child, I got plans for children. Now, I know some of you are probably thinking, then he have plans for all of us. Well, yes, we all grow ideally to adulthood, but the plan starts early. You saw his plan for Isaiah. I'm sorry, for Jeremiah started when he was in the womb. And, and how we form these children directly impacts, yes, obviously what kind of adults they're going to be. Um, but when you call one of these little ones a sin, it's how strongly God feels about uh, children. He said, it'd be better for you to you know, tie a millstone around your neck and, and drown yourself in the depths of the sea. You're fooling with God's plan. You're disrupting his plan for their lives and how these little quivers, these these little arrows in his quiver, right, can um, are going to be used in, in God's kingdom. And so we know that God is in the saving business. He's not in the destroying business. So don't mess with his children. Uh, and again, how we care for these children, that was just one example of that, is very important. In fact, Ephesians 6 and 4, you know, gives a warning to fathers, for example. And he says, fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. Uh, children need discipline. Right? I think everybody agrees with that. That's even watching this broadcast. We, children need discipline, but there's a way to do it. There's a way to do it that preserves their nature and doesn't break them. And you can break a child by how you treat them or how, how harsh you are with them or, or, and, the, and these kind of things. So even God, God is saying to parents, right, you know, because, well, in case you don't know, our children don't really belong to us. Yeah, we're stewards of these children. God has given us these children to care for and to raise up and, and not just to, to do willy nilly with them as we please. Uh, they are his legacy. And so we don't want to break their spirit. We don't want to destroy them um, by being overly harsh. And, and, and as the scripture says, provoking them to anger, you know, taking them over the top. Uh, another example makes it maybe a little bit more clear in Colossians, speaks to the same point, Colossians 3 uh, and 21. And says, fathers, do not provoke your children lest they become discouraged. Right? We don't want to discourage the babies. Don't mess up the babies. Now, that's that's the way. That's the mama in me that, that you know, says it that way. Um, no, God wants these uh, wants his children to stay optimistic. You know, he needs them to have faith. He needs them to have faith for their own lives. But again, he's got plans for them. Right? I, I need them to, to stay, stay, stay intact, stay whole, stay, you know, maybe... Um, you know how children are. Children are very, um, I'll go back to my word I use already. They're very optimistic, right? That, that's a good thing to have. So God has plans for them, not just for them, but he has plans for the kingdom. He wants his crib full. He wants his children intact. So be careful how you handle them. Don't discourage them. Let's look at another. Matthew uh, 19 uh, verses uh, 13 through 16. It says, one day, some parents brought their children to Jesus so they could lay his hands on them and pray for them. But the disciples scolded the parents for bothering them. Him. But Jesus said, let the children come to me. Don't stop them. For the kingdom of heaven belongs to those who are like these children. And that made me think that made me think for a minute there when I read that again. Uh, about how we can be sometime in church. Some of you are already saying, mm-hmm. Um, not just in church, but in society. Sometimes children are looked at as a bother. Um, and, and, and you know, I'll, I'll be the first one to come back. I'm a grouchy mom. And, and I got issues. Y'all pray for me. 
Um, but you know, children can be looked at as a bother. You know, oh, you know, these children. But but God is saying, listen, right? Don't stop them. I want these children to come to me. They're very much a part of my plan. They're not just uh, for tomorrow. They're for today. Right? I love these children. So don't 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 prohibit them. Don't get in the way of what I want to do in their lives. And so at Newark, for example, we you know, those of you who are ten, you know, children don't go off uh, on Sunday mornings to some other place. Right? We keep them right with us in church uh, because we believe that that there's a formative time going on that they learn how to conduct themselves by what's being modeled around them. They learn how to listen. They learn how to feel God's presence. They learn by being right in the midst of them. And so we don't relegate them off to some other room um, um, often. You know, we, we want parents to train them up, if you will, in this atmosphere. And so here's, here's an example of that where Jesus is saying, don't stop them. These are not second-class citizens, right? These, these are my children for the kingdom of heaven belongs to those who are like these children. What are children like? The godlike. Like these children are, are, are created in God's image. Children are small. When, when they're small, they are they're more pure. They're they're uncorrupted. They're innocent. They're even unafraid. You know that just, children can be so clueless, right? They, they 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 learn fear. They don't innately have it. And so when when we, because God says that you need to be like these little children, uh, when we are childlike, we are more trusting. We're more full of faith. We're more courageous. Remember those arrows in the father's quiver, right? When when God has, I'll, I'll liken us to his children in his quiver, our enemy doesn't stand a chance, right? He can do his full work in us. And verse 15 says, and he placed his hands on their heads and he blessed them before he left. I wonder what blessing Jesus spoke over their lives. Perhaps it was that they would not be hindered. And that they would reach their full potential. That they would receive the legacy God has planned for them. The kingdom of heaven. God blesses children. God gives us the privilege of caring for them and raising them up uh, to be a part of his kingdom and his work. It's a it's a huge responsibility, it's actually a privilege. And so I don't know about you, but my perspective about children was renewed as I studied for this lesson. And I was reminded of just how valuable and precious they are in God's sight. And I, I hope that you all have been reminded of that, too. Well, I guess I'm out of time here, Joyce. I'm, I'm a little bit, little teeny bit over there. But I wanted to share with you tonight just maybe a somewhat different perspective. Um, maybe some of you will know that I laughed when I when I was reading this. I'm thinking, you know, um, Pastor Steve is, is very much on this mission about building his children and unleashing his kids in the kingdom. And as I studied for this lesson, I went, ah, oh. you know, I, I, I kind of had that moment. Um, this is something he's got a long time ago. Um, but I hope that I've challenged you tonight. I hope that I've, um, you know, expanded your your idea of God's. Uh, plan for children and how just what a responsible job we have. And actually, again, what a privilege it is to be able to raise these children up to be a part of God's God's work. All right. Well, I am going to hush because I will tend to babble on here. And Joyce, if you got any questions, you want to come on with me? And 
Okay, trying to work this. Sorry. Oh, that's okay. That's okay. <laughs> uh, any questions okay. in the queue? Yes. Yeah, so, let's see. Why do you think children are more forgiving than adults? Mm. Well, this is this is purely uh, uh, what I think. Um, I think we become. I'll use the word hard. Um, after we've been through things over and over again. In other words, we, we develop a callus. You, you, you ever know, well, I don't know if you everybody had a callus on your foot, but you get a callus on something after you, you've rubbed that area over and over and over again, right? I mean, it's not, it doesn't happen just the first time or even the second time, right? But you build up that hardness that protects you against whatever it is that's bothering you or hurting you. And I think children, uh, you know, in their youth and their innocence, all those words that I use in that Bible, you know, they, they don't, you know, at least maybe initially, it, things roll off, you know, but over time, you know, if somebody's been, I'll just say, you know, abused repeatedly over time, you know, you develop a, a hardness toward that. And, and and so that's that's my general take on that. Um, if you, well, I'll add one more thing. If you if you know an adult who's has a hard time forgiving, right, they, they probably have been through repeated issues in their life. You know what I mean? They probably had repeated um, things happen to them that has brought them to that point where they sort of have their guard up and don't want to let it down again. Yeah, I think that's a good point. That makes sense. Um, okay, so another one. Uh, what are some things we can do to have more patience with our kids when they seem to know what buttons to push? <laughs> that's a good question. Let okay. me tell you, I live over here with Monty Cooper, right? So I put my money on blast. <laughs> well, okay. So for one, uh, it, it's funny because I, I mentioned this less in perspective, right? First of all, sometimes we have unrealistic expectations of children, right? Children are all over the place, right? Sometimes we just gotta we just gotta remember when we were children. Uh, you know, I was a I was a busy kid, you know, talking all the time. It's funny because kids talk all the time, get on my nerves these days. But but it's funny because I was known for being this talkative child growing up. And I told you guys before that on my report card, probably my all of my elementary school years, there was always in the comment section, talks too much. Needs to stop talking so much. Needs to stop talking. I was all, and then, you know, so now I get older and I get grumpy. And I'm like, well, these kids talk too much. But, you know, um, so remembering what it's like to be a child. Um, you know, they, they are, they're, they're developing and, and, and um, you, we, we can't be, what does somebody call it? Somebody called this, this armchair parent. Um, you know, a lot of times, you know, we're tired or we're this or we that. And we want to, you know, we want to, we want to parent from the chair, you know, sit down, little Johnny, do this. Little, you know, and and we, when, when, when children need involvement, children need direction, children need something um, constructive to do. And we have to be a part of that. You also can't expect from children what you haven't put into children. And, and I think that's a that's a thing I've seen as parents, um, myself included, right? I'm not throwing shade at anybody, right? That we have these expectations of children and we haven't, okay, for example, if you haven't taught your children to behave right, at home, you get out in public and they embarrass you because they're not behaving properly and you want to go bananas on them because they're not behaving, but you can teach them to behave. Right. So you can't expect from them. That's just one example. And, and there's other things as well um, that, that we can we can be short about. So perspective, you, you know, um, you know, what is, what is your role as a parent? Um, you know, again, 
this just comes along with the age, right? You know, those kind of things, like kind of step back and say, okay, you know, maybe gain some perspective on um, where that child is. Um, And now I know it can be challenging. Uh, Again, I am a parent um, and the patience thing, but children are work. You know, they are work and they are an awesome responsibility. Um, And so, again, one more one more uh, way to look at in terms of perspective. Um, Sometimes we we get lost or or we lose sight of. What children are supposed to be, you know, in other words, we, we feel like children are supposed to do something for us. They're not our stewards, right? They're not here to be our little, you know, maids or to do, you know, I mean, in other words, we're supposed to be the one caring for them. So when you get a perspective on right, maybe that might help with the, with the whole patient's deal. Okay. Um, what are some ways, I'm sorry, I keep forgetting about this. Sorry about that. Okay. So what are some ways that the church can encourage children to be a part of the church body? And I know you did mention that, you know, we have them in the services. So that's mm-hmm. important too. Mm-hmm. They're learning from us. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, it, it's funny because behind the scenes is one of the things we were talking about just recently, right? Uh, we have the idea, not just this church in particular, but in general, a lot of folks have the idea that, uh, you know, sort of when kids grow up, you know, they can do this and they can do that. But again, that very training part, it really does start really early. Um, so again, you know, we, we're looking at areas right, literally right now, since so we've been on COVID and planning for, for children, for example, um, we're looking at that, right? Because kids learn by doing so often they obviously, they learn by modeling. And so we're looking for everybody to get involved. So when we look at areas of discipleship, all you have heard is by now, right? That we're encouraging everybody to worship, learn, serve, uh, play together. Uh, that doesn't stop at children. Children need to learn how to serve. And again, as I mentioned in the lesson, they have amazing ability, right? If we take a little time and direct them and give them some instructions and you unleash them, they're amazing what they can do. Uh, and, and so um, we plan to find a way to involve all children, you know, from the littlest ones. I think we start about four years old and up in different areas of serving. And so again, by modeling what you do, Children want to do, you know, so you're on post. I've, I've seen I can't think of who it is right now. You know, maybe maybe may a greeter and, and they have their son with them while they're greeting. You know, and you, you walk to the door and the father has his hand out and then a little kid's hand kind of sticks up and they're greeting, too. So that modeling is very important. Your attitude towards serving as an adult is very important. Um, kids are amazing. They hear everything. They see everything. They don't miss a beat. And so if you have a stinky attitude towards, towards serving, then most likely your, chi- your children will have a stinky attitude towards serving. Likewise with the positive. And so what you model for them in, 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 in action and in words um, is very important. But yeah, we, we plan to literally go at it uh, more um, intentionally, if you will, to find places for children to serve in the church because it really is important. And it becomes a natural thing. It becomes a natural progression. Um, if they've always done it, you know, then then it and it makes sense that we don't wait till they get in high school, for example, to find a place. But it, but it's natural because they are very much a part of God's work, um, and and He wants them to be involved in that. In fact, the Scripture says, "Serve me from your youth." All right. I think it's good. To, I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm trying to cut myself off because I can. <laughs> I think it's good that you mentioned what they model, mm-hmm. because it seems like they literally do watch what you're doing 
and they don't hear what you're saying half the time. You know, they're not listening. Yeah. But, oh, oh, yeah. they, they pick up what you do though. Yeah. Well, yeah. you just you just you just spoke the the saying. You know, um, uh, actions speak louder than words. Yeah. Really do. They really do. Exactly. Oh yeah. Okay. Another question. Um, how are some ways we as adults can show love to children? Mm, okay. Um, somebody earlier talked about patience, right? Because kids also pick up on our, dare I say, vibes. You know what I mean? You know, and, and so um, when we show them attention, you know, we don't always feel like it. But again, that, that has nothing to do with it, especially when we're talking about our own children, whether we, you know, whether we give them proper attention or not. But yeah, you give them attention. Um, you know, you give them the, the 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 right kind of affection. You know, uh, hugs and 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 words of encouragement. No, I mean they, that goes a long way. Again, that nonverbal, you know, things. But yeah, words of encouragement. Um, you know, being a, a listening ear, and sometimes as they get a little bit little older, you know, um, you know, creating that environment which where children feel safe to talk to you. Um, you know, to, to be in your presence, that kind of thing. That's really important um, that we create a safe environment for children, a, a comforting environment for children. Um, so those those are, are some of the ways. But even in your home, as I think about from a parental perspective, um, you know, that we send signals that we don't always intentionally send. You know, I, I work from home. So this is one that I personally have to work on. I work from home. So, you know, work is from the time I get up to the time I get to bed. Now, I don't want to hear Steve. Steve's going to call me after this thing. Where are you going? What when you got to find some balance? I mean, but when you work in your home, it's easy to be working all the time, right? You know, that kind of thing. And, and um, you know, we can we can tend to give them, I'm busy, I'm busy, I'm busy. And what does that mean to them? That means what you're doing is more important than me. You know, so you so when we carve out time, you really do have to be deliberate about it. You carve out time to give your kids attention. You know, just to sit with them or play a game with them or, you know, what I mean, watch a movie, whatever that you that you that you that you say to them with your actions, that you're important by putting them in a proper place of priority. And so and that does take intentionality because life happens and it comes in all of, you know, I have one in the house right now and Monty's like three kids. You know what I mean, but I can imagine if people have more than one, but you have to be intentional. You have to not give those signals out that they are bothering you, you know, it's sort of just their their presence that, you know, um, is in the way, but be intentional about giving them their proper time and attention. Okay, another question. I have heard it said that the more adults children have who care about them, the better. Do you agree with this? That it takes a village theory? If so, how can we put this into practice? Mm, okay. Um, the word stewards of children, or the phrase, should I say, comes to mind. I think as godly adults, for example, um, and adults in general, that we that we we even have a responsibility to look out for the children. Um, again, the, the whoever asked this question talked about having a multitude of adults, like more than one adult. Right? Um, I can see that being a benefit because we are wiser, even if it's by by reason of having lived more years. We've had more experiences. Right? Children can learn from us um, in that in that kind of thing. We all come from different backgrounds. We see things differently, um, so we have we have much to contribute. 
Uh, we can also see different things in terms of protecting children. You know, if you came from a from a background where you weren't safe or you had some, you know, some crazy things happen in your life, you might see things differently than somebody else see things. And you can you can you can guard that child. You can you know, that 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 kind of thing. Um, but. When we in terms of how can we you know, you know, what can we do to to be that village, if you will? Okay, first of all, you can't, we can't, let me, let me just make a distinction. You can't raise nobody else's children, right? I mean, right? But we can contribute. We can, we can help each other, you know, even in a, in a church environment, for example, where sometimes you get kids all over the place and, 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 um, you know, I'm one of those people that I see things. I I might be talking to you and I don't mean to be distracted, but I'm, I see this child over there and, you know, and, and they about to get into something, you know, you be watchful, you watch out for children. You know, in the, in the church environment, a lot of times kids feel safe. So our kids tend to be all over the place. And, um, you know, you look out for somebody else's child, you know, go in there with your mom. And sometimes you got to redirect them. And you're not being mean, but you, it's for that child's safety um, that you um, that you look out. You know, it's not just about your kids. And, and you know, we all should be mindful of our kids, obviously. Um, but there, there, there are definitely situations where we can help protect, you know, look out for, you know, Share some wisdom, you know, some conversation that there's different. There's, there's lots of scenarios where that happens, where children and adults are in the same mix and we can we can look out for each other. Absolutely. If I can throw up this comment, because I thought this was a really good one. Parents you know, responsible for them. Wait, I can't, are you, do you think I, that I see some questions? Because <laughs> I don't, just so you know. <laughs> I see a little box at the bottom of the screen, but I don't see anything in it. You can see this comment, right? No, I see nothing. Really? Uh-uh. Oh, okay. So it says, uh, Meg said, parents are responsible for them. Everyone else is responsible to them. Ooh, good, Meg. I like the way you put that. That's right. Absolutely. Now, as far as questions go, we don't have any more. Okay. But. I want to ask you a question. Mm -hmm. um, considering your message tonight, should we feel bad if we sometimes are annoyed with our children? <laughs> we need a break, you know. Yeah, you want me to speak to your feelings? <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, okay. First of all, stuff happens, right? I think we're all annoyed uh -huh. with our kids at times or whatever, right? But you do need to check that. You need to, you know, that's your constant state. That's a problem. Right? <laughs> If, you, if that's your, if you're always annoyed with your kids, then you got to check yourself, right? <laughs> because they are your babies. You do have responsibility, you know. And sometimes that annoyance is an indicator. What should I say? Our annoyance, right? Right? Is it an indicator that our priorities are out of whack? Because that 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 means they're keeping you from something. That's what happens to me a lot of times. You're keeping me from something. And um, if that happens too often, you got to you, you got to think about, OK, well, you know, what is it that I'm always doing that takes precedence over them? That when they come and they want my attention, they do, you know, and I'm not sure because they can be annoying in lots of ways, not just wanting our attention. Um, my mind went there. Right. Because I just told you I'm the one working at home all the time. <laughs> but, you know, you got to think, OK, now why? You know that. In other words, that annoyance can be something you can check yourself by and say, all right, let me let me. Let me see what this is all about. You know, it takes, we all have to reflect, do some self-reflection, you know, from time to time and, and and then readjust, you know. I do mine. I said, come here, babe. That's what I say to Monty, you know, and I, you know when, I, when I find myself, you know, 
uh, shushing her away like a little like a little bug, you know, and, mm-hmm. and, and I catch myself and then I pull her in. You know, what I mean, I, I, I've been very deliberate about pulling her in. Absolutely. So, yeah. And like you said, I think it's really important to set aside time to actually carve that time out of your schedule. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So yeah. that's really important. Yeah, that, that's that's one of the things that I that um, it happens a lot. I hate to say it, you know, it's almost like we have children and somehow we think, you know, I don't know what we think. You know, in other words, what's going to happen with these children? They become this annoyance. They become this burden that we have to take care of. And I know they're a lot of responsibility. You know, every parent is saying, oh, yeah, they are. Children are responsibility. Uh, but the idea that they're a burden, right, that's a that's a twisted perception, right? I mean, they're, they're, they're a gift from God. Mm-hmm. Right, and you think about in the in the Old Testament, for example, I mean, how many examples we have of women who were barren, you know, what I mean, and who they 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 cried out to the Lord for a child. Like, they, I mean, they they had a they had a right understanding of how valuable exactly. the precious of life, you know, what I mean, and, and this legacy that God talked about, um, you know, that that again, literally, when we look at it a different way, and we say these, these children again, um, they are created in God's image. They're this duplication of God's mm-hmm. image. I mean, that God wants to use. In other words, that's what I was trying to get at early when I said that we change our perspective of, of children instead of looking at as a burden and look at them as a blessing. You know, some of us, you know, I know lots of us, we didn't even plan to have children, which is, you know, mm-hmm. kind of crazy. It's like these kids just landed on us, but it, it, again, it's our twisted thinking. It has nothing to do with the child. You know I mean, and, and so, um, Again, we get off to a wrong foot because these children somehow interrupted, you know, our life. And that's just some stinking thinking. That's just not the case. Children are a blessing. They are a gift from God. And if we look at them as that, you know, they make our lives full. They bring us joy. Um, who was I? I was talking to somebody just this morning. I can't remember who it was. Oh, I'm going to tell you who it was. But I was talking to someone. Their, their, their son is grown, for example. And then and I asked this person, you know, how was their son doing? Because I hadn't talked to him in a long time and the father laughed and he talked about how um you know when his son comes home he brings his containers right because his mom you know cooks all this good food for him and he takes it back because he lives out of state now and uh you know and he was just laughing i could even i could see him smiling through the phone and this is a grown son mike you know what I mean? and um and he was saying that he, he likes when he comes because he brings joy to the house you know, there's one thing when when you're when you're an adult and it's just you and your husband or you and you know your spouse that right. goes together and that one thing. But when children come into the picture, they bring joy. They liven things up. You know, and so um, I that's definitely you know I, I definitely get that. But this is funny. This man was talking about that just this morning. He knows so I'm sure he's watching the broadcast right now. But I thought that was really funny. But he was really tickled about because he thought about how how much his son brings joy yes. when he comes home. So children are joy. They're a gift. You know, they're, they're lively, there's energetic, they're our hope for the future. You know, so um, again, if we change our perspective about who they are, and if we think, if we change our perspective about what it is we're doing with them. So we talk about, okay, oh, I'm raising my kids. Some of us have a very different definition about what it means to raise children. Does that mean I just have them and they just run around the house at 18? You know, I just hope to survive it into you know until they until they you know go no rain right the Bible talks about train up a child these these, these specific words what what Moses talked about in Deuteronomy right that's some very specific actions happening right instilling the word of God modeling 
you know, um, uh, having them participate in the things of God. Right? That 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 that's deliberate. That you are literally raising up uh, these these. Oh, how can I put it? That quiver thing is stuck in my mind again. But I, I want to call them these little warriors. But in a sense, they are for God because we raise them up and they're godly and they are powerful in God. They become a force to be reckoned with in this world against the enemy. And, and so when you look at it that way, you look at that child, you go, oh, you know, I got a little powder keg here. You know, when what I instill in this child goes out into this world with them and God can use it to defeat the enemy. God can use what I put in this child to touch another soul. You mean to bring somebody out. Children are also people magnets. Okay, I'm talking about children in, in, in terms of kingdom work. Right? Who don't love a child? You know how people, I mean, people gravitate to a child. You know, uh, I think I was talking to you the other day about um, how I ended up getting this 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 SUV, not an SUV, my, my minivan. You know, when my, um, my stepdaughter was in high school, and let's see, she was about 15 when, when Art and I got together and, and she was in Howard High School. And so I would go by to pick her up from school on a Wednesday night and uh, half the basketball team is waiting outside to ride with us to church. And I'm like, where am I put all these kids? At the time I had a little SUV, you know, and so, you know, I know it was illegal, but I would pile them kids in because I'm not leaving the child for church. You know what I mean? And I would just pile them all in, you know, backseat, you, you know, couple of them in the seatbelt, you know, that kind of thing. We just all pile in this little SUV and I bring them to church. Uh, and then, you know, it could be the next week I get there and there will be even more. And so it's, it, it, it's, it's amazing. Um, again, that, that, you know, we talk about all the time about peer pressure, but the whole idea is that, you know, children multiply, they, they hang out. And so anyway, when I had a chance to get a new car, I got a bigger car because I wanted to get this basketball team, you know what I mean? Down to the church, you know, and, 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 uh, you know, put them in contact with the word. So there's there's a lot of things that children have that we don't, you know, with that time of, of life. And, and so um, you can see how children can be very potent in God's kingdom, um, you know, if we do right by them, if, we, if we're deliberate by them, if we look at them for what they are, not these little nuisances that, you know, kind of interrupt my life, but, but they are a gift from God that God has given us the privilege of sowing into, of building, that not only can they be blessed, but he can use them to bless his kingdom. That's what he means. You know what I mean? Such is the kingdom of God. That, that, I think that's, that is absolutely mind-blowing um, to me when I think about it that way. So I think that whoever said the, the patience thing, right? When you think about who you're dealing with, this is God's child, right? This is, you know, I'm a steward over this. Child. I have stewardship over this life. What am I going to do with this life for God? That's cool. Well, right. we have one last question. Ooh, okay. Okay, so... The church seems to have become the place, and I'm sorry, did I read that wrong? The church seems to have become the place and be responsible for teaching children the things of God, like in Sunday school. Mm -hmm. But the Bible makes it clear that the responsibility falls on the parents and should begin in the home. Mm -hmm. Why has this shift occurred? And mm -hmm. what are some of the ramifications? Ooh, ooh, ooh. Okay. Well, um... I can't tell you that I know for sure why the shift has occurred, but I've definitely recognized it. I have an idea um, of, of why the shift has occurred, and and um, I think it I think it directly 
goes to the, the structure of the home, the state of the home, right? Our homes are not what they used to be, right? In terms of, of a stable place, um, you know, our homes are very different now. A lot of times both parents are working, you know, outside the home, um, you know, people are busy, you know, that kind of thing. I mentioned earlier, we got kids into everything. We, we, we've esteemed um, academia above the things of God. Right? We put a lot of emphasis on, you know, children um, excelling in school academically and learning the word has, has, has come underneath that, for example, or living godly has come underneath that. We want, you know, we want Johnny, I'm using the, 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 the analogy Regina, Regina used yesterday, I'm using the name, we want little Johnny to be the best, you know, basketball uh, star. We want, you know, uh, Sally to be in soccer. We got all these extra extracurricular activities going. We got all this um, focus on these temporal things happening. So for one, we're busy, right? People are overly busy and our priorities are out of whack. Okay, I'm going to just say that straight out. We're overly busy and our priorities are out of whack. So children are re relegated to this sort of second-class citizen status, right? And then when we do have our emphasis on children, a lot of times it's on all of these, I'll call them temporal things, all these worldly things, things that, you know, right? Oh, I want my child to be a, you know, a scholar. And, I, and I, I'm not pushing, I'm, I'm not kicking back against education at all. But anything that, creates, that takes precedence over building those children, right? keeping those children uh, godly, keeping those children in the right way, uh, again, according to God, anything that takes precedence over that is not good. So so overall, my opinion to that is that the family structure is broken down big time, right? And our priorities are out of whack accordingly. And, um, and then again, when we do put a priority on children, a lot of times it's on other things. And so then, you know, we, we have in our back of mind that we should be, you know, I said to you earlier, right, our idea of what it means to raise a child is very different. So we say, I'm raising my child in the church. And by that, we mean I take them to church on Sunday. I'm going to take them to church on, you know, whatever, for, for Sunday school, whatever that might be. Uh, that's not that's not the totality of what it means to raise your child to, or to even to train up your child in the Lord, right? There's no teacher um, more effective to your children than you are. And I, when I mean you, I mean as a parent, right? It's it just... just I don't think there's anybody can teach more effectively your children than you are, right? And so the modeling that happens in the home, the lessons that happen in the home. I mean, what what you you know because again, you mentioned this, Joyce, that we we what we do often speaks louder than what we say. And so overall, I think our priorities are out of whack, and that's why we want to rely on somebody else to teach our children the things of God. And there's a disconnect with that in what we should be doing in terms of raising up our children in Christ. Is that it, Joy? Absolutely. That is it. Yes. Yeah. Woo. And that is exactly it's eight o'clock. Yeah. Exactly All right. All righty. Well, I hope that uh, my mind was refreshed. My perspective, at least, was even in studying for this lesson, was, was renewed, if you will, um, as it relates to children. And I hope that you guys don't leave here feeling like horrible parents. Um, the good thing about God is God is gracious. And when he brings things to our attention, um, it is so that we can implement them, that we can readjust. And so we all have the opportunity to, to change our perspective on our children. Um, with the help of God, you'd be amazed what you can do to turn things around for our kids. And so, again, it, 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 it does mean you have to be deliberate um, and you have to um, 
think about them. Those children are precious in God's, God's eyes. God's, God, again, as he said to his disciples, right? Don't forbid them to come to me. Touch the kingdom of heaven. And so when you look at your kids at night, once you look at them with different eyes, like, wow, these are precious little gifts that I have. If you don't, anyway, hope hope that we, that you do. But if you, if you haven't been seeing it that way, or maybe it's just been a rough time. And I know during this COVID time, when all of us are in our homes together and school is going on at home and everything is going on with the kids in the house together, um, you know, some days can be more difficult than others, but hopefully this at least will uh, sort of jar us back into thinking right about our kids and look at them. And wow, my house is full of gifts from God and that I've been literally uh, given the, the, the honor of raising these children to be a God, a part of God's army. All right. Well, I'm gonna stop tonight. Thank you all for joining us. Um, again, remember if you need any information at all about us, the one-stop shop is newarcupc.info. You can go there, submit your prayer requests and prayer reports. Don't forget that if you want to receive um, prayer requests um, and information about needs that are going on in the church, you have to go to that new uh, join. What is it called again, Joyce? Join the prayer team. That's what it's called. Card. Uh, it's under the contact card at newarcupc.info. Anyway, go there, leave us your information, and we will get you on that list so you can stay in the loop of what's happening here. God bless you all, and have a great night. We'll see you back here again tomorrow evening at 7 p.m. Good night.